You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. Praise the Lord. Uh, I know you're tired of hearing it, but I'm not tired of telling it. Uh, I remember the day that I got saved. And that Sunday night uh, after I got saved, uh, my parents, they got saved on that Sunday morning. They were driving us back home. They pulled over in a Kmart parking lot. And they were in the front seat. Mom looked around to the back seat and she said, how do you feel? And not being in church, I did not have any knowledge of what was uh, really had transpired at salvation. I, and I just looked back at her and I said, I just feel like something's gone. That's exactly what it was. The chains of sin were gone. And if you haven't experienced that, let me tell you, there's nothing greater than experiencing the forgiveness of a loving God and Him becoming not just uh, your God, but becoming your Savior. And so thankful for that. Uh, keep your Bibles here, John uh, chapter 1, as we are in this passage this morning. I look at an individual. His name was Andrew. Andrew was one of the apostles, and when you look at the apostles, uh, there are a couple lists of the apostles in the Bible, and you see some interactions uh, of the apostles, but one thing, you look at Andrew, and he's sort of one of the quiet apostles. You know, we know about, we know about Peter. We know about James and John. Uh, we know about the apostle Paul, that apostle out of due season, but the other apostles, they sort of fade back into the woodwork, if you would. We know that they're there, they're listed. We know that they were a part of things going on. But when we think about Andrew, we never find him performing any miracle, though he may have. We don't find him uh, going through and preaching a sermon. There, is, there are no recorded sermons that, that Andrew had preached. But as one of the first followers of the Lord, there are some characteristics of Andrew that we can benefit from. And this morning, we're going to look at some things. I want you to look again with me at the text, uh, John chapter uh, uh, 1, verse 40 and 41. And one of the two which had heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. Look, look there, it says, He first findeth his own brother. This morning I want to speak to you on the subject, Go find one. Go find one. And let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would help us today. Uh, help your people this morning, each and every one of us. Uh, we have different needs as we come. There are different things that can distract us, and our minds could be running in different areas completely this morning. But I pray the Spirit of God would take this truth and help each and every one of us. Lord, there are people here that need encouragement. Others need comfort. Some need uh, chastening and a rebuke. And Lord, I don't know what all of these needs are, but you do. And I pray that you would take the Spirit of, the Spirit of God, would take your word and give us and help us uh, to be conformed to the image of your Son. And so just grow us today, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. 
Andrew here, uh, there were some things uh, that, that he did. And I want to just look at him the, uh, this morning here. I want you to see, first of all, uh, he saw something worth seeing. And, you know, you and I, we need to see something worth seeing. Uh, and so there was some experience that, uh, that Andrew had. He had experienced some things. Uh, he was a fisherman, but Andrew wasn't just a fisherman. He was also a disciple of John the Baptist. He was a disciple who was, was learning truth, and John the Baptist was uh, that uh, eclectic, if you would, uh, preacher. Uh, he walked around in camel's uh, hair, clothing and camel's hair, and he ate locust, and I'm so glad that God did not call me to be a John the Baptist. Uh, and, you know, if we were living in that day, we would have looked at John as a weirdo. We would have looked at him as some fanatic, uh, but John was an individual who was a voice. When they asked him who he was, he said, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness, uh, and he was preparing the way for the Lord. He was uh, just clearing the way so the Lord could come, and, and so here, John, or Andrew, was a, was a fisherman, but he was a disciple of John. Uh, look back at verse 35. Through verse 37, the Bible says, And again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Now, Andrew was one of those two that was a follower of John the Baptist. He was there when John the Baptist pointed at Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And Andrew, from that point forward, he said, okay, we are, we're changing directions. I'm not staying with John the Baptist. I'm going to follow the Lord. And, and now he is following the Lord. You see, he saw something worth seeing. He was in life. God brings things across our path that are worth seeing. Aren't you glad that somebody brought the gospel to you? Aren't you glad somebody communicated truth to you to where you understood that Jesus was the way? Jesus says unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It was only and still is only through Jesus Christ. And Andrew was one who saw something worth seeing. He saw something worth seeing. And when he saw the Lord, now all of a sudden that experience, it caused him now uh, to uh, to change and to follow. Uh, not only did he see and he had that experience that he was there and he saw the Messiah and he heard the one that he was following, John the Baptist, point to Jesus and, and, and relay to him that he was the, 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 the uh, Son of God. Look, look at this examination, verse 38. Then Jesus turned and saw them following and saith unto them, What seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, be an interpreted master, where, where dwellest thou? And he saith unto them, come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. You know what we find? We find that Andrew, he had, he had listened and he had, he had been hearing and then he had been led uh, by John the Baptist. He had learned some things. And now that he had learned these things, he is continuing to examine. He had to see for himself. You know, salvation isn't something that just somebody else can tell you about, and now you have it. 
Salvation is something you have to experience for yourself. Little Elliot was just born, let's see, two weeks ago uh, today, two weeks ago today. And so uh, he was born uh, into the family. He was born uh, into my, my daughter and my son-in-law's family. Uh, he, was, he was born into this world. And, and in John chapter 3, we find uh, Jesus looking at a religious man, a, a churchgoer, a synagogue goer, a person that knew the Bible, educated, religious. And Jesus Jesus looked at him and said, marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. There had to be a second birth. You know what? Uh, we are going to find that second birth by personal examination, by personal experience. It isn't something that anybody else can do for you. A saved mom, a saved dad, grandpa that, that was a pastor, uh, and, and even in these days, grandma who was the pastor, and, uh, and, and you hear all of these reasons why people say that they're going to church. Well, you know, I've always gone to church, and grandpa was a pastor. Now, grandpa being a pastor isn't going to get you into heaven. Grandpa being a pastor may have been somebody who was going to sow some great seed in your life and encourage and strengthen uh, you to come to a place of salvation. But salvation is an individual experience. You personally have to be born again. And in your, in your own mind, uh, have you been born again? Is there a time, a place that you can go back to when you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? You see, we need to trust him. Andrew, he had listened, he had been led, he had learned, he had to see for himself. Uh, and, and it's important what, not only information that we receive, but what do we do with that information? Just holding the information is not enough. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 23, the Bible says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom uh, of, of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And many will say unto me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and not in thy name done many wonderful works, uh, and in thy name have cast out devils? Uh, and, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. What do we find here? Just having knowledge is not enough to be saved. Just doing good things is not enough to be saved. You see, salvation is something that you have to see for yourself. You have to experience for yourself. What did Andrew do? Andrew, he was one that he saw something worth seeing. You know what? The Lord is worth seeing. It's everything about the Lord is worth seeing. It's worth you coming to a place to learn more about, about him. And so we saw here uh, that uh, we need to see something worth seeing. And that's what Andrew did. But, but Andrew didn't just see something worth seeing. Secondly, he saw something worth saying. He, uh, he, he, he was to say something worth saying, I'm sorry, say something worth saying. Verse number 40, and two of which heard John speak, followed him, was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. 
he, he saw it for himself, but now he's, he had to say something about it. He had to tell somebody. He couldn't just keep salvation to himself. You know, too often we are, we gratefully accept the gift of salvation, but we timidly hold back our salvation so nobody knows about it. You know what Andrew did? He first findeth Simon, his brother. He first findeth Peter. He had to say something. He met the Messiah. He he accepted the Messiah. Now he had to tell somebody about it. He had to tell the individuals that were closest to him uh, about the Messiah. And what a wonderful thing. You see, that's what a witness is. They see something. And then they say something. They say what they saw. They profess to other people what they had witnessed for themselves. They saw something, and now they have to say something. They're that witness. Uh, But unfortunately, too many witnesses withhold that information. And if you're saved this morning, uh, there's an expectation by God for you and for me to tell other people about it. Uh, We need to be uh, not withholding that information. We need to be a witness for the Savior. Uh, We shouldn't keep it to ourselves. Now, why would we want to keep it to ourselves? It's not like like money to where there could be this insider trading. Now I'm going to benefit and I can benefit above other people. And and so now I just don't want to tell them because I don't want them to have what I have. You know, maybe if there's a, a great deal on something and you didn't have your money with you and you know you're going to go back, you're not going to go on and, and there's only one left. You're not going to get on and start posting, hey, this great deal I just found down at the store, uh, there's only one left and it's, it's only five bucks. Uh, if, you, if, if you were the one that was looking for it, uh, you wouldn't want to tell everybody else at least until after you got it. But you know what? Salvation isn't that way. It's not like we benefit from somebody else not having salvation. It's not that there is a benefit there for me to withhold that information because it will somehow benefit me. There is no other benefit. There is no personal gain for us to withhold. The only reason sometimes we are fearful to share is because it will start drawing some lines. You know, when you tell people that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, they're going to expect a change. It's, it's like drawing a line in the sand. It's, it's like putting out, you know, somebody that's struggling with, with alcohol. If, if they're saying, okay, I'm going to try to stop drinking, but they don't tell anybody that they're going to stop drinking, they're going to keep drinking. You know why? Because they, don't, they haven't established any boundaries that'll stop them from going back into that. And everybody expects them to be that way and do that because that's been their lifestyle. Uh, and you know, uh, with that, when you start telling people about being a Christian, now you're going to have to start acting like a Christian. 
Now, that is something that is so important. Uh, I remember after I got saved, and, and in it, man, there was a learning curve for quite a while, and I was growing, uh, and, and uh, Deb uh, was in the youth department. We liked, oh, I liked her. She didn't like me, uh, and I think she did. She was just smart enough to stay away, uh, and so, uh, but, I re- but I remember, uh, you know, there was that time of growth, but when I finally decided that I was going to serve the Lord, I drew some lines. I started telling people that I was a Christian. I went back into my public school, and I took gospel tracts with me, and I signed the gospel tract. Back then, uh, there was a, a, a track that was uh, by Jim Lyons, and he said, uh, on the back of it, it said, this track was given by, and you could sign that gospel track. And I signed all those tracks, not because I was trying to pat myself on the back. I was signing those tracks because I knew that I needed everybody else to know that I was a Christian so I wouldn't go back into the old life. And I wanted to, to build some boundaries for myself. And, and, and here, uh, John uh, was, or, or Andrew here, he was, he was witnessing, he went back and he told his, his, his brother, uh, we don't want to keep it to ourselves. Uh, we, we don't want, we don't, there's no personal gain, but there can be personal fear. And that fear of t- telling other people on how they will respond and what they will think, that's very real. But you know, the Bible tells us that every one of us shall give an account of ourselves. To God. We're not going to stand before anybody else. But one day we will stand before God. I have, over the years, being in ministry, I don't know how many times I have stood in the courtroom with somebody who had blown their life apart. People that knew better but chose to go down the wrong path. And all of the fear that they had of disappointing their friends and getting sucked into activities that caused them, cost them years of their freedom. You know, every time I have sat in those courtrooms, there's been pastors, there's been Sunday school teachers, but none of the friends show up. And that young person and whoever it was that was standing before that judge, they stood there all by themselves. You know, one day when our life is over, we're going to stand before the judge of all the ages. And it's not going to matter what so-and-so thought. It's not going to matter what so-and-so might think or what they would say. What's going to matter is what's he going to say? And you and I, we need to make sure that we are living our life in such a way that we're not going to be perfect. And there's no way that we can stand before the Lord as faultless. Uh, But we should stand before the Lord with a heart and a life where we have genuinely, honestly tried to serve the Savior and follow His will and His ways in our life. And there are blessings that come with that. But we see that sometimes personal fear uh, will cause people not to say anything about the the Lord. Uh, John chapter 9, 
In verse number 20, the Bible talks about the man who was born blind that Jesus healed. Uh, And we find the interaction here. Uh, John chapter 9, verse 20. His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but but by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who has opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him, he shall speak for himself. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore said his parents, he is of age, ask him. And so, so in that witnessing, in saying something that's worth saying, don't allow fear to cause you to hold your tongue. Make sure that you don't, you don't allow the fear of other people's response to stop you from telling people about the Lord. Andrew was an individual that, that he, was, he was willing to say something worth saying. I want you to see, thirdly, do something worth doing. Andrew saw something worth seeing. He said something worth saying but he did something worth doing. Verse 42, and he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. And he brought him to Jesus. He brought him to Jesus. Andrew may not have ever preached some great message. He may not have ever done some amazing miracles, but he brought somebody to Jesus. Think about it for eternity. Andrew has been dead for 2,000 years, and he is enjoying the fact that he said he did something we're doing. He did not stop with what he received. He had to share it with somebody else. You know, you may not know all the verses to share in the Romans road. You might not know what illustrations to use. You might not be able to answer all somebody's questions about religion and about uh, God and salvation. But if you just tell them what happened to you, that's enough. You tell them what happened to you. Did you come to a place where you realized you were a sinner in need of a Savior and you asked the Lord to be your Savior? In reality, salvation is so easy. It is a free gift. The Lord wants us to be able to accept that gift. And you might not know all the right words to say or the knowledge and ability to counsel and bring somebody through all the problems that they have that is bringing them to a place of even searching for the Lord, but you can do something great. Bring them to Jesus. Bring them to Jesus. He said, well, pastor, they won't really listen to me. Then bring them to church. Bring them to church. Try to to get them to a place where they will uh, have the Lord as their Savior. Uh, What do we have to do? You got to tell them. You just have to tell them. You say, pastor, what do I tell them? Tell them Jesus loves them. 
Jesus loves them. Just stop and think about the world that we live in. There is so much anger. There is so much hate. There is so much abuse. People need to be loved. People want to be loved. Do you know, why is it that people come to church when they start having some major problems in their life? Because they know there's something missing. And they're searching for it. They don't know what the answer is yet. But if you're saved, you know what the answer is. It's not a what, it's a who. It's the Lord. He's the answer. He can take that, that bitter soul and he can make it sweet. He can take those broken, shattered pieces of a life and put them all back together again and make a masterpiece out of brokenness. I don't know how he does it, but I've seen it over and over and over again. I've experienced it in my own life. I've watched it in my family. We've seen it in ministry year after year after year. What the Lord does, he is the answer for every need the man has. He's the, he's the answer. They may be broken and they may have been saved and have wandered uh, far from the Lord and, and their life doesn't represent a life of a believer, but they had trusted Christ and, and now they're coming back. The Lord is the answer. Maybe they don't know the Lord. He is the answer. He said, well, they're having marital problems. Pastor, what verses should we tell them? Romans chapter three and verse 23 or John chapter three and verse number 16, for God so loved of the world that he gave his only begotten son. He said, well, how is that going to fix the marriage? Jesus can fix it all. He can fix it all. It's amazing to watch the goodness of God and how he can take this world and bring it together. You see, Andrew, he went and he found, he brought him his brother, to Jesus. Everyone needs to be loved. Everyone needs to be cared about. Everyone needs to be comforted. Yesterday, I stopped and was getting some fuel in my truck, and the man that was got out, of, he pulled up in an Escalade and got out of his Escalade, and he, had, uh, he was getting fuel in his truck, and I just started talking to him a little bit. And as I talked to him, I, I said, what do you think about these fuel prices? And just trying to break the, the, the door open there. And he said, he said something, but he looked at me, and all of a sudden his countenance just broke. He said, today's a bad day. And I stopped and I went over and I started talking to him. So what's, what's going on? He said, I'm headed to a double funeral right now. And his wife was in the Escalade. I said, was it family? Was it friends? He said, it was family. Two deaths. Two funerals today. And I reached back in the truck and I grabbed him a, just a prayer card. And I told him I was a pastor. And I gave him some information. Everybody needs to be loved. 
that person that we don't know, the events that are going on in people's lives, the people that are sitting around you this morning. There are so many stories that are here right now. There are stories where people are rejoicing. There are other stories that people are brokenhearted about, and you may not know them, but let me tell you something. Everywhere we go, we need to do something worth doing, and that is just telling them about how good our God is. Because he has the ability to help every person right where they are. There's no depth that's too deep. There's no hurt that's too hard. There's no wayward who has gone too far for the Lord's love. Everyone needs direction. Everyone needs purpose. Everyone needs fulfillment. And Jesus is the one that can bring all of these things into our life as well as into the life of those who are around us. You know, we, we just need to be a conduit. We just need to be an Andrew, and, and Andrew probably didn't have all the answers, just like I don't have all the answers and you don't have all the answers. Uh, but they, he was one that when he learned about the Lord, he just had to tell somebody, uh, we need to do something with, worth doing. Uh, what is that? Bring them to Jesus. Uh, and so what do we find? We have to go find one. Uh, uh, not just that they can come to church and not just that, uh, that they can uh, to, to uh, uh, get saved, but, uh, but that they, they can be saved, that they can experience uh, the, uh, and follow the Lord. Uh, it's not just about people coming. It's a, about people having a relationship with the Lord, that they might get saved and they might follow the Lord. They might get the strength and help that they need in this hour of what's going on in their life. Yesterday, uh, I got a, a text from Mrs. Cole, and she, she told me about a young lady uh, that got saved yesterday and gave me her name. And uh, what was it? Uh, Mrs. Cole went and found one. Uh, she, just, she went and she found somebody and had to tell them uh, about the Lord. Uh, this, uh, this man by the name of Andrew, he told somebody, he told his brother. His brother ends up being the spokesman for the apostles. It wasn't Andrew that the, was, the, was the leader of the apostles. It was Peter. Peter was the one that is listed first. Every time the apostles are listed, he's listed first. But not only was he first in that inner circle of 12, then there, within the 12, there was an inner circle, and it was Peter, James, and John. It wasn't Peter, James, and Andrew. It was Peter, James, and John. And then when it was just one-on-one, -on -one, it was Peter. Over and over again. You see, it, Andrew's greatest feat for the Lord wasn't just what he did to where he got recognition. What he did was he told somebody else, and God worked in and through them to accomplish something greater. You know, it's not about us at all. But it is about us doing something worth doing. A little while after I was saved, I witnessed to my brother. He had already moved out of the house and 
So here I witnessed my brother, and man, you talk about having to, to definitely build yourself up for that. I mean, my big brother, I idolized him, and we're very close. But I remember telling, uh, telling my brother about the Lord, and my hands were sweaty. I was stuttering and stammering, and I couldn't remember all the verses. And I remember trying to, to communicate uh, salvation to my brother. And my brother didn't get saved. And I remember just feeling terrible, you know, that I wasn't able to win him to the Lord. But I planted some seed. And it wasn't too long later where he got saved. Been faithful in church, he and his family all these years. Reality is, probably this morning, if it's like anything, like every other Sunday morning, he's sitting with my mom up in Washington right now watching service live. He'll be in church on Sunday. He'll be in church tonight. He'll be church on Wednesday, still serving the Lord. You know, we have to tell them, though. We might not be the one that gets to, to win them to Christ, but we have to tell them. You know what? The amount of joy that it brings when you're in a time where you know you're saying goodbye to a loved one, knowing where they're going to go makes all the difference in the world. And knowing that you told them makes all the difference in the world. You see, if you didn't tell them, there would be guilt. You know, the day's coming, we're going to say goodbye to our best friend. We're going to say goodbye to a spouse, a child, a grandchild. We'll say goodbye to that coworker that we see every single day. And they're going to slip off into eternity or we're going to slip off into eternity. Never again to have that opportunity. I was already out of high school as married. Deb and I had gotten married and after high school we waited uh, for that next July, we got graduated from high school in June, got married in August, and celebrated our first anniversary in Bible college. And as we, um, uh, as I was in that transition time, I was working at a at a shop, uh, auto repair shop, and. And as I was working in that shop, we had some of the high school kids that would, after they got off work, they would come in and uh, they would work with us until uh, close. And, and I remember one of the kids, his name was David Murray. And David was one of those kids. He was a popular kid. Uh, he was, his family was very wealthy. He had everything. And we both owned Novas at the same time. I had a 1970 Nova uh, and uh, with a 327 in it. He had a, a 1970 Nova, and he pulled the engine out, was putting a 396 in his. And one day he said, hey, I pulled the engine out of my Nova. He said, can you give me a ride home? And, and I remember David getting in the car with me, and, and here he was, 16. I was 18, nine, about 19, I, think I was 19. And, uh, and so we're driving down the road, and the Holy Spirit of God was saying, tell him, tell him, witness to him. And for some reason, I had already surrendered to preach. I had witnessed to many people. I was 
singing in the choir. I was a bus captain. We taught primary church. Is engaged and involved in ministry as you can be. Went out soul winning every week. But for some reason, I froze. Holy Spirit saying, tell him, tell him, tell him. And I didn't. About that time, Holy Spirit kicked the door completely open. And Dave asked me, so tell me, why do you go to church so much? And the Holy Spirit was, tell him, tell him. And I didn't. I just told him, I said, hey, it's, it's great. You know, we love church and it's a good place. You should come. And I left it at that. About a month or two later, 2 o'clock, 132 o'clock rolls around. Kids get out of high school at 150. It was about, yeah, about 2 o'clock. They come in, and one of the kids, his name was Dennis. He's weeping. I was like, Dennis, what's going on? He said, it's Dave. I said, what about Dave? He said, Dave blew his brains out last night. 16 years old. You know, the first thought that I had was us driving down 224th Street, heading west towards his house. I remembered the conversation. I remembered the, the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart, telling me to witness to Dave. And I remember me not telling him. As far as I know, Dave Murray is in hell today. And his blood's on my hands. I made a vow that day. I gotta tell him. I gotta tell him. I can't not tell somebody about how good God is. Why? Because one day they're going to slip into eternity. And it may be by natural age and it may be by a personal choice. But whatever that decision is, I've got to make sure that I do something worth doing. And you will never regret sharing the good news of the gospel with somebody. They might not receive it and they might get mad and they might reject it, but let me tell you something. When everything comes down to eternity, you'll want to make sure that you told them. After that, my grandpa, I was unsure about my grandpa's salvation. And we ended up coming back from college and I told the family, I said, listen, we, we're going to meet Grandpa. We're, we're in town. I said, I want everybody else to find different rides. I'm riding home with Grandpa all by myself. Probably the second hardest person to witness to in my life, my brother being first, was my Grandpa. And I shared the gospel with my Grandpa for over an hour. Now, Grandpa told me that when he was a boy, he had accepted Christ. He didn't live a lifestyle that gave me great confidence in his salvation, 
but later uh, meeting some people that knew my, my uh, great-grandma and, uh, and my grandpa when he was li- younger, uh, that, that definitely helped, uh, helped a lot. But you know what? When I preached my grandpa's funeral, I had such peace because I knew that I did something worth doing. I did not withhold sharing the gospel. This morning, you say, well, pastor, I can't tell everybody. Go find one. Go find one. Go find somebody. You allow the Lord to to show you who. And you know what? You can't tell the wrong person about Jesus. Well, what if this isn't the right one? You can't tell the wrong one. So just tell somebody. Just share the goodness of God with others. And you know, when we look at the life of Andrew, the impact that he had for eternity is still receiving rewards because here we are being encouraged this morning by him just doing something right. And it's an encouragement encouragement for us to go and do likewise. Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for being such a loving God who knows our needs and our burdens. You know our condition. Uh, Lord, you know each person here this morning by name, and you know the needs that they have. And Lord, if there's one here today that does not know you as their personal Savior, I pray today would be the day that they accept you. Maybe there are some people here that have, the, have accepted you, but they haven't been telling others. I pray that you would help all of us to make some decisions that would bring honor and glory to you. Heads bowed, eyes closed. You're here this morning. Say, Pastor, um, I know the Lord is my personal Savior. If I died right now, I, I have that confidence, that assurance that I'm going to go straight to heaven. I've accepted the Lord as my personal Savior. You say, Pastor, that's me this morning. Just slip your hand up as a testimony to the Lord. Pastor, I'm saved. I know it. I know it. Praise the Lord. You can put it down. Maybe you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I don't have that assurance. I won't come back to you. I won't embarrass you, but I want to pray for you. Pastor, I don't know for sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. I'm concerned about it. Pray for me. Pray for me. Just slip your hand up. Let me pray for you. Is there one here this morning? Unsure of your eternal destiny. Maybe you're watching online and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior. Text heaven to the number that's on your screen and we'll get back with you. Father, we do thank you for each person that's here this morning. You know the needs of our heart. Those that are saved, those that are lost, those that uh, need to take some steps of growth, I pray that you'd help us all to respond in a way that would be pleasing to you. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as instruments continue to play. If the Lord spoke to your heart this morning, you come. Maybe you need somebody to pray with you, you come. Maybe you have been saved and you've not followed the Lord in believer's baptism, you come. Whatever decision it is that you need to make, let's make it today. Maybe there's somebody that you need to pray about. Asking the Lord to give you boldness to tell them, go find someone. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.